Hey, post-edit Harmony here. I just wanted to say that I hope you're into the snoring of a dog. Because my co-host this episode is Binks. And as usual, he's sleeping on the job. No, but throughout this whole episode, you are going to hear him snoring in the background. Just a heads up. Hi, welcome to a bonus episode. Y'all have given my last episode all about the wife swap murders so much love that I wanted to say thank you by releasing another episode. Usually, this is when I would start talking about the introduction to some sort of murder. You know, a real life whodunit. But not for this episode. Today, I want to talk about some conspiracies. That's right, I am feeling froggy. I just want to throw on my tinfoil hat and really piss off the FBI guy in my phone. Or my laptop, whichever one's first. They might just like get mad at the same time and just duel one another and then come for me. All right, sorry, before I lose you, <laughs> let's go ahead and start this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, my name is Harmony. And this is What the Actual F. has been this incredible conspiracy theory about Avril Lavigne going around since like 2005. And in case you have no idea what we're talking about, the conspiracy goes like this, that Avril died and was replaced by an Avril lookalike. So according to those who believe this conspiracy, Lavigne was allegedly struggling to deal with her fame during the height of her career. So she began to use a body double named Melissa. Yes, and then the conspiracy claims that at some point along the way, Avril then died. So the record company made the decision to replace her full time with Melissa. This is probably going to be one of my favorite conspiracy theories that I've ever learned about. For most people, learning about the Avril Lavigne replacement conspiracy theory isn't really new. This was all the rage all over the internet just a few years ago. Everybody was talking about Avril's replacement. What's that? You've never heard of it? I remember the first time I ever heard of the Avril Lavigne theory. I first heard that Avril had died and was replaced by this doppelganger named Melissa in around 2015. This is probably a good, I don't know, like 7 to 10, 11 years since I had like gone out of my way to listen to Avril's music. So she didn't really come into my day-to-day -day life and then all of a sudden I heard this, this conspiracy. I remember thinking, what, what, whoa, that's fucking eerie. It's, it's definitely a theory that leaves you feeling some kind of way. Now years ago when I first discovered this theory, when I started to dive into the rabbit hole, I found the original blog post that states this as a fact. This is now defunct and the creator has stated it was all just a rumor. A way for them to see and show that what we say on the internet has merit and can go very, very far. Are you still with me or are you kind of confused? In case this conspiracy theory hasn't by any chance taken your brain hostage like it once did mine, allow me to give you a rundown. In 2011, a Brazilian blog posted Avril Esta Morta, a title that would make many people's belly just go floop into their butts. Because this means Avril's dead. The theory is that Avril died by suicide in 2003. This all came to a tip after she fell into a deep depression, which stems from the death of her grandfather and the fame that she was experiencing. Avril was widely successful at the time. So instead of announcing her death, especially by suicide, I mean, she was followed by mass amounts of young girls, I being one of the many. What kind of message would that send? But most of all, what about this cash cow? Well, for whatever reason, Avril still needed to be Avril. And this is where Melissa comes in. Avril's doppelganger was known as Melissa Vendala. She was hired to step in place for Avril. 
Now I'm going to pull this aside for a second and say in some reports when you look into this theory, Melissa and Avril were actually friends. That's right, basically it states that before Melissa became Avril, before Avril, you know, like, took her life unalived herself, Melissa was hired to kind of step in for Avril when she had a lot of things to do and if she ever just needed a break, Melissa could be there. There is even a photo online of Avril with the name Melissa written on her hand. This is what some people state is the evidence. Alright, so again, I don't actually know if Melissa is first of all a real person or if second, they actually met. I just felt the need that you needed to know that in order to get the full picture of this theory. Once Melissa came in, she became responsible for all of the music that was released by Avril. Well, I mean, I guess it'd be her as Avril. And this music includes Let Go. So according to this theory, everything from Let Go up until now has all been created by Melissa. Okay, I hear you. Where is the evidence? The blog in which this whole theory originates cites evidence like the disappearance of moles on the skin and how blemishes are no longer where they once were. How changes in Avril's handwriting must mean she isn't her. A change in Avril's nose and her personal dressing aesthetic. You know, her style. How Avril once wore Dickies, Converse, ties, and wife beaters, but now she wears punk outfits and dresses and heels and is has like this whole other pretty aesthetic and sometimes even a k-pop one that she has just altered who she is in all the years she must not be her anymore because god forbid we as people grow well, today, uh, Avril herself is addressing this crazy rumor on the Kyle and Jackie O show, telling the Australian radio show, yeah, some people think that I'm not the real me, which is so weird. Like, why would they even think that? You can go down this rabbit hole if you have time on the weekend. Oh. I suggest, like, Sunday morning, wake up early the before best. the rest of the family and dig into the Avril is dead uh, conspiracy theory because it is fascinating. Yes. Especially when you start looking at whoever this Melissa person is yes. because the story goes they were actually friends. She already looked a whole bunch like Avril Levine. Check out the nose. People break down, like, they do, like, the lines, the cross yeah. section, the, the, yeah. the separation between the nose yep. and the upper. They do all of this stuff. And then you, it's so detailed that you actually start to believe it. Avril Lavigne has stated many times that none of this is true. However, I was surprised at how much I did find this theory not just like obviously fake, but also kind of not. Of course, at first when I first heard this, I was like, that's stupid, there's no way. But then, when you dive into the rabbit hole, you start to think, okay, wait a minute. Now listen, I remember having to defend my music to my parents. You know, like how to explain why skater was spelled with eights and why boy was spelled with an I and not a Y. Not that Avril was an idiot and she was trying to make me stupid. It was just like, you know, to be cute. Meanwhile, my mom is like, oh my god, dumbing yourself down doesn't make you cute. Like, yes, mom, we know, I know, okay? This is music, don't take it so seriously. I never in my right mind would think that I'd be having an argument with myself one day that Avril Lavigne is dead. No, no, she's not, but maybe she is. I don't mind defending certain things in music, but to defend the fact that one of my artists that I grew up loving may be dead was just, that was new territory for me. Now this is gonna get a bit dark, but I want to dive into the like real deep part of this theory, the death of Avril. You see, Avril Lavigne has a way with words, especially as a teen. When she first came out, her angst was definitely hidden. It was like her superpower. It was almost as though you could feel the emotion in her lyrics, the way she wrote the words. As a teenager, I really felt like she got me. So naturally, when this theory first grazed my ears, I was like, this is bullshit. Like, who the fuck would believe this? But then it kind of hit me. Avril's music is what brought many people to her. And her music is dark. Like, listen to these words and tell me these aren't kind of, you know, heavy hitting. She wants to go home, but nobody's home. That's where she lies, broken inside. So it's not Shakespeare, but still, that's, that's some heavy-hitting words. And maybe, if you listen to her words, you could hear the sadness that was consuming Avril. A sadness that possibly 
could have been exasperated by the death of her grandfather, ultimately swallowing her up whole. And you know what? I could find this absolutely believable, especially after I started to dive into it, because I have friends that have ended their lives that I never would have seen happening. So to believe that a young musician ultimately took their own life because of what they were dealing with didn't seem too far-fetched for me. I mean, I could start listing a few that did it already. Now let me state that I didn't ever really 1000% truly believe this theory, but I did fall into this rabbit hole so deep that part of me wanted to be like, you know, it's not that hard to believe it. Like, maybe if I talk to other people about it, they, they, could, they could tell me it's not true, right? Like, they could keep me from absolutely subscribing to it. But as I would talk to other people, they started to kind of be interested too. Now, yes, the evidence is very far-reaching. Now, like I said, many people pointed to the change in Avril's music. They had some of her appearances. God forbid, you know, you change as you get older. Oh no, you're aging. However, for me, what would have been like the big icing on the cake if I believed this theory, it would have been the release of Hello Kitty. I mean, that alone was enough to ignite its very own theory of its own. Literally in the video, which is so different than like how I ever saw Avril. She has like these like girly kawaii little outfits. I mean, they're super cute, but just Avril? I don't know. But also like, it also, it almost has like a dub step. I don't know. Like it's just, it doesn't seem like Avril to me. But yeah, people change, you know? However, that for me, that would have been the icing on the cake. If I believe this theory, I'd been like, nah, dude, Avril's dead. fans, especially the ones that originally were there from Skater Boy on, really wanted to believe that Avril would never release Hello Kitty. She wouldn't make that. But as much as her fans did not want to believe such things, she did. I guess for the author though of Avril Esta Morta, it was more believable to say that Avril was dead than to say she created Hello Kitty. It seems like a lot of people in our society are uncomfortable with change. Especially if a celebrity or somebody in like the mainstream light does so without anyone's permission. How dare you live your own life and not pass it on by me before you do. I just, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. I mean, honestly, to believe that Avril would take her own life over just having her music change and just, you know, her aging is astonishing to me. Let me read a little excerpt from Avril Estamorta. I've never seen a singer change her style of singing, writing, dressing, and behaving as much as Avril Lavigne did. And everyone was talking about it at the time. Everyone was talking about the sudden and radical change in Avril's style and personality. It wasn't just the style of the way she was dressing that changed. Her style is different. Her musicality is different. The lyrics follow another line. In short, she is someone else. And you know what? They're absolutely 1000% correct. Avril Lavigne is someone else. She changed. She got older. By the way, I need to make a quick correction. I stated that like middle school me was listening to Avril, I believe. It came out in 2002. Her first hit was Skater Boy in 2002, so I was incorrect. I was in high school. However, I still remember jamming to that. Nonetheless, still, this proves my point. It has been 20 years since her first hit. And of course, in time, the music that she creates has changed. Because if it hadn't, we would be sitting here talking about that, I'm sure, as well. It seems as though Avril is damned if you do and damned if you don't. If she didn't change her music, well, this rumor would never have begun. However, she probably wouldn't still be relevant. I, I don't actually know who listens to Avril currently. I don't, but maybe you do. But she did change and therefore she is labeled as dead. I guess people would rather accept that Avril took her own life than that she changed her music. Now, don't worry, because in this theory, it explains how Avril died. It states that she was so overcome with grief that one evening or one day in her home, she decided to hang herself. Somebody found her. Some reports state that it was Melissa, and then others say it was like a record execs. I'm not positive, but it's, it's like spotty. The story is very shifty. However, like I said, they couldn't have Avril be gone, so they replaced her. 
I guess what's so dark about this unbelievable theory is that we as people would rather say somebody died than just accept that they changed. I think this conspiracy explains more on us as people than it does on anything else. Anyways, maybe you believe that Avril really did die. I think, however, it is time to go to our next theory. Alright folks, here we are back at it. Good to have you with us. Mike Siegel with you. We're talking with Joseph Matheny. And we are talking about, ultimately leading up to dimensional travel. Alright, Mr. Matheny, let's get uh, back to this point that we're making here about the research that was done by these people in this very unusual kind of bizarre area. Mm -hmm. um, as someone who's a skeptic yourself, because of the fact that this was done in a very secretive manner, how can you be so certain and assured that what you know about them is accurate, that the research is accurate, that the science is there in terms of what they have produced? And that's why we set up the research center, is so that we could validate that. And that's why we're doing the uh, the background checks and stuff that we're doing. We're, we're taking this in a step-by-step, -step, very methodical manner. Um, the first thing that we want to do, um, and I personally definitely want to do, is validate, um, you know, authenticate whether or not there are people um, that are behind this and was there a group that was in Onset, New Jersey? It looks like that there's evidence that points that there was around that time period. Were they scientists and were they doing research? It looks like there's really strong evidence pointing to that. Um, the next thing we want to do is we want to run the math, run the science, and see if this is really legitimate research. Um, I think one of the things that, one of the reasons it was so clandestine and, and so secretive um, is because, if you again, I'm pointing back to the... The New Jersey Pine Barrens have a plethora of deserted villages, most of them simply abandoned decades, even centuries ago. However, if one takes the turnpike to Exit 4 and follows to Route 70 East, you will then come to Route 72 at Four Mile Circle. This leads to a place known as Ong's Hat, and a trail that some say lead to a mysterious portal to another dimension. That's right. This is our conspiracy. One of the most infamous abandoned ghost towns or areas in New Jersey in the Pine Barrens is known as Ong's Hat. The true reason as to why anyone would ever name a village Ong's Hat may be shrouded in mystery forever. The facts are not clear, but the folklore surrounding the town's name is very well known. Legend says that at one time a resident of the area was a flashy young gentleman by the name of Ong. While his last name isn't known, Ong is an old-time Pine Barrens name. One of the earliest Pine settlers was Jacob Ong. Fun little knowledge for ya. Now, Ong was a fixture at the local dances where he was famous for being able to woo the women with his fancy moves and his suave debonair attire. He was a ladies man if you know what I'm saying. However, one of the most notable features about him was his silk hat. Oh my god, I get it, Ong's hat! <clears throat> Sorry. Apparently, Ong was something of what modern youth would call, you know, a player, aka a fuckboy. He would flirt and lure ladies into him. The more, the better. However, one of these ladies caught on to his practices, learning of how he would lure women in often to his bed only to use them. Well, once she found out, she attacked Ong. What's that saying? <laughs> Nothing compares to a woman scorned. Anyways, she then, after the brutal attack, took his hat and stomped on it. Ong, who was severely drunk and very upset that his hat had just been ruined, ran outdoors and tossed the hat into the air out of frustration. Now, obviously, she didn't, like, get a lot of damage into him, but she was pretty pissed. So she, like, she hit him and beat him in her own sense, and he was more mad. Not that, like, she hit him or was upset. It was because of what she did to the hat that he was so upset. Something about this hat really meant a lot to him. However, when he threw it in frustration, it actually ended up getting caught up in one of the high up branches. And it stayed there for years because apparently nobody in the town knew how to climb a tree. Anyways, it became a landmark in this tree in which people could find the small village, thus naming it Ong's Hat. Now, over the years, the Pine Barrens themselves became less and less populated. With this, Ong's Hat would become forgotten. Today, Ong's Hat is home to no residents. 
instead there are just piles of rubble and overgrown building foundations and other reminders of what was once. Ong's hat might have been nothing more than a footnote in a local history book, were if not for a very weird development that some believe occurred there in the last quarter of the 20th century, the opening of a gateway to another dimension. Storytelling is something that goes all the way back to my youth. I had an unusual upbringing in that I had a, uh, a grandfather who was a very big influence on me. He was one of the last independent owners of a three-ring circus, and so I spent the summers with him on the road. I grew up around a lot of people who told good stories. They were able to captivate an audience and, and be able to spellbind people and um, even get points across. So the more recent mysteries surrounding Ong's hat can actually be found in a book called Ong's Hat, The Beginning, where the author of the book, Joseph Matheny, is, is rather coy, by the way, on like whether this is true or if this is like a work of fiction. However, many people believe this is fact. And yes, there are other people who follow Joseph that state that this is just fantasy. According to Joseph's history, the Moorish Orthodox Church of America was founded in the 1950s. This was done by a group of white jazz musicians and poets who were formerly a member of the Newark-founded Moorish Science Temple. The members of this small group started traveling the world. They did so to learn different philosophies and spiritual practices from all different masters of the Eastern world. And one of these travelers was known as Wally Fard. When Wally returned from his travels in 1978, he spent all of his savings on a 200-acre plot of land in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. Now, he wasn't alone when he moved onto the property. In fact, it was him along with a group of runaway boys and two lesbian anarchists. By the way, this is all coming from Joseph. So he moved on to the property and formed a, uh, a newer sort of like, a, I guess, group of what originally was the Moorish Science Ashram, or at least what it would become to be known as. Wally published a series of Xerox newsletters proclaiming his beliefs. Those who like to study things in fringe science begin to hang on his every word. And then they started to flock to his land out in New Jersey. Among these refugees were two scientists. These two scientists were not like other scientists because they were looked down upon for their radical views. And their names were Frank and Althea Dobbs. The Dobbs twins, as they were better known, were raised in Texas, and they lived among a UFO-worshipping cult founded by their father. Needless to say, they were somewhat used to a life on the fringe. So when they arrived into the pines, they set up a laboratory inside a, uh, a small trailer. They then began making insane discoveries. Discoveries that would shake this commune to its core. Experiments began and so much more, according to Joseph, started right there in Ong's hat. According to some, the experiments at Ong's hat led to a violent and bloody confrontation. It was then claimed that the government got wind of all the experiments that began, all happening right there in the Pine Barrens, otherwise known as Ong's Hat. The government then stormed the compound and killed seven members of that group. Some say it was Delta Force. They're the ones that did all of the killing, while others state that it was actually Russian operatives or even the Danish military. Nonetheless, many state that something was going on right there in the Pine Barrens that Wally and his group had started interdimensionally traveling. Skeptics of this far-fetched tale believe that Joseph's book is nothing more than a work of absolute fiction. This book, however, was bolstered by an elaborate internet hoax. There's a lot of legend around that area, and then if you ever go out to the Pine Barrens and talk to the residents, there's a million legends something called the Jersey Devil. There's a, uh, a legend about the area of Ong's Hat. There were helicopters that came and dropped in soldiers that were wearing like 
weird unmarked uniforms that didn't have American insignia on them. And they were there to get these people that were living in the woods and they rounded them up and took them away. Never everybody heard about it or heard about them ever again. And I've been told this story like 20 times from residents of that area. Like people, this is a story that people know there. It's a local legend. So there's lots of these local legends, including the legend of how the town got its name. There's like 15 of those. Like I've, I've never... I've never found like a definitive story of how Ong's hat got his name other than it had something to do with a guy named Jacob Ong in a hat. And then just like how, where it goes from there, it just bifurcates into all these different iterations of the story, which, you know, I love because I love folk- folklore. And so I'm like, okay, this could be the beginning of this thing I can create. Joseph first became involved in the Ong's Hat Saga when he posted a book catalog he had found. Known as the Incunabula Catalog on BBS and FTP systems around the internet at the turn of the 90s. He then produced one of the essays reviewed in this catalog. From there, he claimed to have interviewed one of the physicists mentioned in these papers, as well as the original author of the book catalog that he also posted. These documents are what is known as the Incanibula Papers. It is somewhat unclear as to whether there was ever any other documentation of these alleged events other than what Joseph says that he found and posted himself. But I guess that's where this theory really begins. So was Ohm's hat ever home to a mysterious cult of science nerds? Ones that somehow were able to find interdimensional travel, opening some sort of portal right there in Ong's hat. I mean, according to Joseph, that's exactly what happened. But then again, we don't know if what he is stating he says is fact or fiction in his book. All we know is this perpetuated one of the biggest and earliest known internet hoaxes. Whatever the case may actually be, the story of Ong's hat is actually quite bizarre. What's crazy is the conspiracy theory of Ong's hat, whether it really was a rather mysterious town in the middle of the Bine Barrens that was lived in by a cult who did dimensionally travel, or whether it is just a random little plot of land in the middle of BFE. We may never really know. However, many people whisper its stories today as fact. And that is why I wanted to share with you the conspiracy of Ong's hat. What do you say we move along to the next one? Everything they teach you in school is a lie. You want the truth? The world is controlled by shadowy elites and shape-shifting lizard people. Around 90 million Americans believe in aliens. 16 million believe that aliens crash-landed in Roswell. And 12 million Americans believe that reptilians run the world elite. Reptilian humanoids, or humans that are part reptiles, lizard people if you will, these are commonly found in science fiction or writings of pure fantasy. But claims that lizard people control the world has been a conspiracy theory for years, basically starting in the early to late 90s thanks to a man by the name of David Icke. Before releasing his book, The Biggest Secret, in 1998, David had his very own theories for quite some time. Once he put these to paper, the fire began. David alleged that the same interconnecting bloodline has controlled the planet for thousands of years. However, this bloodline isn't a normal human family, if you will. No, because in his book, he suggests that this powerful bloodline that has reigned over us for thousands of years is a blood-drinking race of reptilian extraterrestrials. They even originated the Illuminati, would you believe that? Like many conspiracy theories, this one has been popularized at various points in history. In fact, when President Barack Obama was in office, this was rampant. In fact, in 2013, a poll actually stated that around 12 million Americans believed that lizard people control politics. In 2013, there was a YouTube video that went viral. It claimed to have proof of a reptilian shape-shifting secret service member. I remember this one and I actually watched it. 
It just looks like really bad lighting. However, this video was so massive that they had to affix a label to the video that leads you to the Wikipedia page for reptilian humanoids. Of course, claims of reptilians have often been dismissed. However, the belief of lizard people runs very strong. In January of 2019, a man in Seattle called 911 after fatally stabbing his brother with a four-foot sword. God told me he was a lizard, is exactly what he told the dispatcher. The man would later be acquitted of his brother's murder and charged by reason of insanity. The man by the name of Bucky Wolf actually expressed that he was involved with QAnon. And I do want to point out that a few QAnon believers have been linked to several crimes. And Bucky himself said that he had attempted to join the Proud Boys, which is a far-right extremist group. Particularly known as QAnon, which has become increasingly popular during this uh, shmandemic, gaining even more notoriety by spreading false claims. I don't really want to dive into all of it because I don't like messing with too much political mumbo-jumbo. However, there has been pointed out that a lot of the theories thought up by QAnon, including this reptilian, because they adapted David's theory and put it to their own. It is stated that their theories somewhat overlap each other. But nonetheless, the main thing for their theories to prove is that there is a world threat. Now let's step away from QAnon and their theory with it and go back to the main theory of reptilians and what is stated about them. Uh, Tom, just fill us in on, on the latest about what we know about how and why this happened. Right, Casey. So a couple things have uh, have come up in the course of the investigation, according to multiple senior law enforcement officials uh, that myself and my colleague Mike Cosner have spoken to over the last couple of days. And and so basically at this point, the motive still not still not clear uh, exactly what it will be. Uh, unclear if we'll ever know what the particular motive will be, and it's at least several weeks away. But what investigators are starting to kind of uh, probe and search around is that the person who they say is responsible for this, Anthony. Quinn Warner uh, perhaps believed in, in several conspiracy theories, and they're they're asking questions and they're being told um, about uh, first off the AT&T and, and 5G conspiracy theories, which we've covered before. And obviously, the AT&T building appears to be uh, the target of this attack, if not the, it's certainly the seat of the blast. Uh, so that's the first one. They've asked questions about that, but an area where they've been told about that this uh, person may have believed uh, and had some had some beliefs in is this idea of the reptilian theory or lizard theory. The idea of shape-shifting lizards taking human form in a plot to rule America and the world has become one of the most majestic and marvelous conspiracy theories created by mankind. Or hell, lizard kind, if you will. What exactly is a lizard person? According to David, a lizard person is a cold-blooded humanoid reptile. They have the power to shapeshift into human forms and into anybody they would like. They do obviously feed on humans and our blood. I'm not quite sure if they have to like eat you to become you or what, or if they like, like just touch you. I don't actually know the ins and outs of their shape-shifting. However, according to David, these creatures have had their claws in humankind since ancient times. And world leaders like the late Queen Elizabeth, George W. Bush, and both of the Clintons and Bob Hope are all lizard people. Basically, if they're famous or have any input on the world, they're a lizard person. By God, you're a lizard, Harry. Shit, sorry, I don't know why, but I wanted to say that. So as of 2013, over 2 million Americans strongly believe in lizard people and that they are running our government, if not all of the world. So how are we supposed to know if who we are looking at is a lizard person? Well, there are many, many theories at how you can decipher one. If you look at the forums on David's site, there are numerous posts how people tell you how you can spot a lizard person. In fact, it's so obvious you can see them in a crowd. Look for green eyes. Oh shit, I have green eyes. Technically, I have heterochromia, but most of them are green. If they have good eyesight or good hearing, okay, I'm, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. If they have red hair, shit, I'm back in, I'm back in. 
If they have a sense of not belonging to the human race, oh shit, I'm definitely one then. I think half of you fuckers are dumb. I don't even know how I am the same species. I mean, I literally have a podcast about murder because some of them actually think that murdering people is just better than getting a fucking divorce. So yeah, I don't think I belong to this race. No. There are also unexplained scars on a lizard person's body. Shit, I am really proven to be one of them. Another major descriptor of a lizard person is if they love space. Y'all, I think I might be a lizard person. A few other physical features to look out for is if they have a smile where the bottom teeth show more than the top. Or if their eyes change shape, color, distance on the- you know, basically if their face just distorts in any way, this is probably a big red flag that they're not human. At least, according to David. So despite all the physical features of these lizard people and how you and I may be one of them according to that fucking list, what exactly do they want? I mean, yeah, Earth is a pretty kick-ass place, but us, as inhabitants, we suck. Why do they want to hang out with us? Well, that's simple. They want world domination. They go by many names. Anunnaki, Dracarians, or Reptilian Humanoids. But most refer to them simply as the Lizard People. Where do lizard people even come from? I mean, aside from people's imagination and paranoia. Lizard people are actually thought to be a primary form or ancient race from a constellation known as Draco. Though some theories actually state that these reptoids come from other systems like Sirius or Orion as well. No matter where you think they hail from, just know they are aliens, according to the theory. Draco, for those of you who are unaware, is a constellation that is allegedly shaped like a dragon. Or, if you go with its Latin name, Draconum, it is shaped like a huge serpent. So, I mean, rather fitting for reptiles to hail from there. Draco is the eighth largest constellation as well. The reptoids that hail from there are thought to be very tall and they even have retractable wings, something that I recently just learned in this lore. Really want to know how they hide all this stuff underneath the skin suits that are claimed that they wear. So according to David Icke's believers that subscribe to this theory, lizard people have been visiting Earth since ancient times and you know what else they're doing? They're breeding with us. That's right, that's why when I went down that list of what a lizard person probably looks like, it sounded like every other human being on the planet. Now, I hear you, are there any documents of actual lizard people affecting anything in the world? Well, I mean, obviously no, that's why it's a conspiracy. I didn't call this episode absolute facts that you'll never believe. Uh-uh, this is conspiracy. But yeah, no, there's absolutely no documentation, actually. But that doesn't stop lizard people from making national fucking news. That's right, because back in 2008 in Minnesota, Senate race, a man named Lucas Davenport actually created National Store when he tabbed, quote, lizard people as his right-in vote. I mean, but I don't know why he wrote it in, because according to the theory, if he believes in lizard people, he was already voting for them. They were just in their fleshy meat suit disguise. Some people even believe that famous celebrities are lizard people as well. In fact, I want to pull aside real fast to share with you some information on a page that I found called A Brief Overview of Reptilian Overlords. In 2012, a site was made where you could learn all about the reptilian overlords that run our world. According to this site, Barack Obama has had an alien lizard implanted into the back of his head. And you know how this was done? First and foremost, I'm a little bit pissed off because according to the site, it was done with our tax dollars. And what the fuck? Anyways, you might also think that this sounds like a big pile of conspiracy tinfoil hat crap, at least according to this site. It actually says those exact words. I'd like for us to read on and consider the evidence before we jump to any conclusions. Again, I'm just reading what the site says. Are you ready to be a believer? Because, oh my god, I totally am. So let's do as it says, put on our tinfoil hats if you hadn't already, and let's become believers in lizard people. Link, what is your opinion on lizards? I respect lizards, but I do not touch them. <laughs> really? Yeah. They're tough to catch. You can catch them by the tail sometime, and then they get away, and you keep the tail. My kids try to catch them, and I act like I'm not afraid what, while they're doing it. What if I told you that they were in a secret space station inside the moon controlling everything you think? 
<laughs> I would say <laughs> I would say I wouldn't believe you unless you started shaking your head and like laughing maniacally under your breath. <laughs> and then I'd be like, okay, I'm in on whatever this is. Well, that's an oversimplification of something that a man named David Icke does believe. And I have been introduced into the world of David Icke. I, I've spent a lot of time just... You I, and Dave? I feel like I went to the moon space station. I feel like I've gone and I've come back and I'm here to report to you and the mythical beast on what I have learned. According to this site, here are some of the celebrities and world leaders that are confirmed positive to be reptilians. Also, I don't know how they got this confirmation, but they have it apparently. Donald Rumsfeld, George W. Bush and the late Queen Elizabeth, William, aka Billy Clinton, and of course, Madonna, or as it has her named on here, important international pop star, Madonna. Queen of Hearts, as it's listed, Britney Spears. Of course, the Pope is as well. Angelina Jolie, because in a little parentheses here, it states that there's obvious cracks in her human skull mask. Katy Perry and Hillary Clinton as well. There's apparently also so many more. I could sit here on this site for hours with you, but I would love for you to go check it out for yourself. Just look up Brief Overview of Reptilian Overlords and you'll find it and you will just, if you want to entertain your afternoon and just laugh the day away, I got you. So at this point, you may be wondering, oh my god, Harmony, am I a fucking lizard person? Yeah, okay, probably. I mean, at least according to David and his followers. Only you will ever know for sure. But in my personal opinion, there could be far worse things that you could be than a human lizard person with plans for world domination. I mean, at least you have a goal. So congratulations there. What do you say we hop along to our next conspiracy? You guys have had issues with trespassers then, right? Everybody trying to get over and get a view. Everybody's been trying to get to the ranch to take a look. Um, it's completely landlocked by private or tribal. Okay. There's, there's no way to, to get to it publicly. Nobody comes through this place either. So I don't know where the lights was coming from. So you heard it here first, they're going to be future RVers. Yeah. <laughs> it is crazy though how everybody across the United States and Europe and everywhere else think that that they know exactly how to get to Skinwalker Ranch when it's completely landlocked and I grew up here. They're just scary. Stay away. <laughs> they need to stay out on their side of the fence. We actually live on that uh, Skinwalker Ranch Road. Have yeah. you ever? We have. We've got some cool stories. Yeah. Bigger than humans, two big ones, one smaller one. Dark color. I don't know what it was. They don't know what it was. I wanted to close this episode with the best conspiracy theory that I could. And that is because this one is just remarkable to me. If you ask a random person to name one of the eeriest places on earth, chances are you will hear one that is synonymous with the unexplained. The Bermuda Triangle and Area 51 better move the fuck over. Because what would probably be at the top of the list, the first words out of anyone's mouth would be Skinwalker Ranch. A place that has baffled the scientific community and experts alike for years. This massive ranch sprawls across 500 acres of northern Utah in a region known as the Unita Basin. The whole area has, since the days of early Spanish missionaries, swirled with rumors of strange going on. In the words of journalist George Knapp, it's been the site of simply unbelievable paranormal activity, UFOs, Sasquatches, cattle mutilations, and psychic manifestations, so you name it, residents have seen it. The epicenter of it all is known as Skidwalker Ranch. This first came to be known as national attention in the mid-1990s, when the Sherman family, who had purchased the ranch in 1994, shared their incredible stories with the media. 
Guess where we are? We're at Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch. Ranch. What is Skinwalker Ranch? And why is it the most studied paranormal spot in the entire country? Or perhaps the world? I don't know if you've watched that show or not, but it's kind of a big hit. They're on season two currently right now. And we just happened to take a detour up here. Yeah. On our way through Utah. This is the secret. Here we are. Right here. <laughs> what is Skinwalker Ranch? We'll have to back up. It started way back with a curse in 1860 when a treaty between the Navajo and the Ute tribes in Utah ended. The Navajo supposedly cursed the land and according to legend released skinwalkers there. One day, shortly after settling into their dream country home, Terry and Gren Sherman were startled by the sight of a fearsome animal. Perhaps believing it was a wolf or a coyote, they began to fear as it stalked towards their livestock. When this creature grabbed a calf with its jaws, Terry fired at it with a handgun, and then he used a rifle. Despite this creature being hit, it didn't seem to be hurt and simply wandered away into the bushes, leaving nothing except for a foul stench of rotting flesh into the air. In the weeks and months that would follow, visitors to the ranch began reporting seeing unidentifiable beasts moving in the woods. And then there were the lights. Lights that would hover and zip through the sky. Ones that were orange and blue and large and small. Almost as if being directed by some unseen forces. Most disturbingly, however, were that the animals on the ranch were beginning to die in such grotesque sorts of ways. Some of their dogs were seemingly incinerated in the night, while their cows would be found dismembered, all of which was done with such surgical precision. So precise and so well done that it was ruled out to have ever been done by any other animal. A newspaper article documenting the Sherman's terrifying experiences attracted the notice of an unlikely party, a billionaire property magnate by the name of Robert Bigelow. As well as being a hard-headed businessman, he has a passion for space travel and, of course, all things paranormal. He founded the National Institute for Discovery Science and even has one of his own somewhat sort of X-Files team. He would buy the ranch. He then allowed a team to come in and sort of like check out this ranch and see what the hell's going on. Quote, if somebody had ordered the weirdness pizza with everything on it, that would be the Skinwalker Ranch. Exactly when Mr. Bigelow and Nides settled in. Nides, or NIDS, however you want to use the acronym, is what Robert Bigelow created and moved into the ranch. The team set up monitoring equipment, observation posts, and around-the-clock surveillance. The activity triggered conspiracy theories among UFO watchers, leading Robert to give an interview denying that he was in any cahoots with the CIA or that he had any prior contact with aliens before he took over. I guess people were over here like, you know, he must be really good friends with aliens. That's why he bought the ranch and wants to like do any kind of research. It can't be because he just wants to see what's going on. Nonetheless, what makes the story of the Skinwalker Ranch so remarkable is that the curious phenomenon that's carried on even when under intense scrutiny. Researchers have witnessed the same inexplicable lights which the Shermans did as well. However, miraculously, equipment seems to mysteriously malfunction during critical moments and a lot of things just can't really seem to be documented as well as one would hope. Side note, I kind of feel like that's how it always goes, but whatever. So what the hell is really going on at Skinwalker Ranch? The sheer number of incidents around Skinwalker Ranch, the number of different eyewitnesses, and the general reputation of this part of Utah has led to many to take the case more seriously than other so-called paranormal hotspots. You must also connect the Native American folklore as well. There is just so much to consider on the enriching history of the Skinwalker Ranch. The very name Skinwalker Ranch alludes to one of the most feared entities in Navajo culture and history. 
As a fellow Native American, skinwalkers are one of the most heavily spoke about lore in Native American culture. When I was a little girl, my mother, who is full-blooded Native American, used to actually tell me stories about skinwalkers. And by stories, I mean bedtime stories. She would put the fear of God in me. Or I guess in this case, the fear of skinwalkers. With a reputation of being some sort of a malevolent witch or something that has mastered the ability of being able to change into different creatures and uh, I guess just looks, it can change into any and everything from humans to beasts. This hulking, wolf-like beast confronted by the Shermans and others who witnessed it as well seems to be a, a resident of the ranch. Hence the name Skinwalker Ranch. Intriguingly enough, there is also a long-standing local legend linking the presence of skinwalkers to this region as well. Now, the historical basis for all of the legends are somewhat hazy and foggy. Many historians haven't heard of any Navajo curses being placed on the land, but that doesn't stop the perpetuation of this being stated. Putting aside explanations relating to any indigenous lore, there has been speculation around the possible alien activity and secret possible government experiments going on. Skinwalker Ranch is said to be a hub of insane paranormal activity. I feel as though the mystery to this region will remain just that a mystery. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe a team of experts will discover exactly what is going on in Skinwalker Ranch. Or maybe it is nothing but an elaborate hoax. One day, we may learn the answer. But until then, Skinwalker Ranch will go down in history as a conspiracy theory. And therefore, rounding out our theories for this episode. Ready to sing goodbye? I am. Okay. <laughs> so long, farewell to you, my friends. Goodbye for now until we meet again. I say so, so long, farewell to you, my friends. Goodbye for now. Until we meet again. I hope you guys enjoyed those conspiracy theories that I brought for you today. And most of all, I hope you enjoyed this extra episode. I love that the content that I put together for you is being so widely appreciated. I do everything I do for you. So, how about you continue to stay weird and meet me here next week for another episode of What the Actual F. And until then, if you just can't get enough of me, you can follow me on social media at Oh Hey It's Harmony. I'm over on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get directly in contact with me, send me an email at what's the actual effharmony at gmail.com. If you have something you want me to look into, send that over as well. Many of you send me messages every week and I just want to say thank you so much. I may not be able to respond, but I do read them. All right, guys, it is time for me to bid you adieu. Please stay safe and I'll talk to you on the next episode of What the Actual F. Until next time, I love you. Later. Bye!